going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlc pod they bring the show to you their generosity their support means we get to keep making these and we love that in return they get some cool perks including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and a bevy of bonus content, including Feeling This, the two seasons of Feeling This with Christian Spicer and Alex Solman talking about the feelings behind video games. Plus, you get the audio version of the DLC Book Club, where Lana Bashinsky and myself are talking about the Malazan Books of the Fallen. And, ladies and gentlemen, you get... The Wednesday paid DLC program, a fully interactive, intense hour of nonsense every single week over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, oh, this is the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy whose mustache is just going to stick like that, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Uh, Spoiler, speaking of Alex Solman, we are going to do an Alan Wake 2 spoiler chat, Jeff, because I was like, Jeff's never going to finish, see the end of that game. Too scared. (laughs) Yeah, too scared. And who has a darkness inside of them like I do. It's Mr. Alex Solman. Uh, yeah, that works. <laughs> so we're going to get that out. Um, he's working through the game still, loving it. And I'm very excited to talk to him about it in depth. And so folks can look for that, hopefully, in the near future. And I'm saying this in public, no pressure, Alex. Finish the game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got, we, we got to, you and I have to do some uh, some spoiler chats too. We're We're past due on some of those. It's that time of year where things pile up, and there's so much to talk about this week on this episode. There are so many games to get to. Oh, my goodness. The hits just keep on rolling. But ladies and gentlemen, we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But, oh, this week I'm so excited because DLC stands for Debut of a literary career oh, because not, yeah. you may know him from yeah. game trailers from easy allies, but now he is an author of fiction with his first novel whirly world, which is available wherever you get fine books. Our friend Brendan Jones is back with us. Hey, Brendan. Hey, thank you. Digitally. Don't go, don't go strolling into a Barnes and Noble and expect to see it on the shelves. Maybe someday. Oh. Fair enough. Yeah, That's, get, get get online. Nobody get does that. Nobody, nobody goes does places that. and buys yeah. physical things. Yeah, or expects people go to, to Barnes and Nobles. People go for to Barnes and Nobles for two things. One, to look at those board games. They're like, oh, it's in Barnes and Nobles. Two, use the bathroom. 
that, like was, that? that was gonna be that's what you i mean switch them i mean that's number okay, one okay, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. yeah my bad my uh bad. i did see barnes and noble uh listed on the uh, worldly world website and i assume that's the digital version of, of barnes right. and noble yes well, you can, uh, yeah, you've got a paperback you just got to order it online now congratulations this is Thanks an amazing so accomplishment that. writing a novel yeah, it uh, it is not easy to do. It is you know, with with the two entities that you mentioned, game trailers and Easy Allies, it was always a a, a, a group effort. You know, every, we would always show up in a studio, and you know, even if I was the only person in front of the camera, there were people on the other side. And boy, is that a lonely existence writing a book? I will tell you, that's you know, not <laughs> only you lonely your... from creatively, but just the the thought of like, when am I going to be done with this thing? What is yeah. it? You know, with this podcast, it's like you got you got dates. You got you know, we 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 meet at a specific time. The video goes up at a specific time. But you're writing a book. You're just like, I guess I'm done. I guess that's <laughs> I guess I'll just print this thing and move on. The the premise of the novel is awesome. I mean, it, thank you. It, this uh, I allow you to to talk about it, but it definitely is uh, in the Venn diagram of my interest: podcasting, amusement parks, ghosts. Right. I you know I like all these things. It's my two favorite topics: death and theme parks. Uh, <laughs> and I always I remember I got a book called Mouse Ears that my brother was reading, and there's never been so many books about the history of Disney, and there have been several fatalities since I read this book as a kid. But it went through just all these just macabre stories. I'm like, wow, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. So it was kind of the seed was always in the back of my head of like, there are people that have died at Disneyland, my favorite place like in the world. And I think I was like at the park one day and I was just wondering like, whoa, I wonder if like they're stuck here. Like, I wonder if they hang out. And so wrote a book about a guy who dies in this fictional theme park called Whirly World. It's like his favorite place. And so he knows all of these ghosts that are stuck there. And so, you know, originally I was like, oh, I'll just make kind of a fun, lighthearted, goosebumpsy like story. And then, you know, thinking about death for a year and a half, I got really kind of emotional and dramatic about it. And um, but it was fun. It was. A, it was I love the experience. map, too. Like the. Oh, thanks. The, accoutrement that goes with the book but also the thought process of designing a space yeah i think a lot of times when i read books like i imagine the author did it but then i kind of reconstruct it in my head Mm -hmm. and i i I would love like was was it backwards like did it space exist and then you filled it in or was it how did the physical idea of the of the location of the everything kind of form as you were putting things together yeah that was you know was it when I first started to, I did a lot of research of stuff that I didn't know about, like the history of theme parks and really like the idea of a, because we call them theme parks, but I never really stopped like, oh, a theme park means there's a theme for the whole park. <laughs> so there's a lot of like amusement parks that call themselves theme parks and they're they're not, you know, so amusement parks were around forever. It was just like, eh, roller coaster over there, carousel over there. And, you know, like trains kept coming up mining and, and, you know, you, repurposing tracks and stuff. And, you know, these kind of old, like just, you know, uh, you know, death trap wooden coasters. And so I was like, <laughs> you know, and I've always been a big, you know, as an Eagle Scout, I've always been a big fan of the outdoors. And I was like, oh, it'd be kind of neat to make this just impossible park. There's no way it could exist. We actually have like a, you know, a Matterhorn that goes through like a real mountain. And, and so it, it was neat. like, I did, I definitely had moments in making the park where I'm like, well, this is impossible. And it's like, Hey, it's my park. You know, just sure that, that happens. Um, but yeah, I was really just kind of learning the history of that. And then just kind of like making this, uh, you know, nature themed wild West kind of park of my dreams, which I thought would be more, more Disneyland. Cause that was like my favorite place, but then it ended up being more Knott's Berry farm for anyone that's not, has not visited SoCal. That's one of our other big parks. Yeah. Very cool, man. That is so I, – I am uh, – I tip my hat to anybody that, you know, sits down to to write and then finishes, right? That's the that's yeah. the, the hardest thing is to finish. 
and it's an amazing accomplishment just in, in and of itself. And it sounds like this, uh, this book is really cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Again, that's uh, Whirly World, uh, Brendan's uh, first novel, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm anxious to give it a, a read myself. Uh, let's jump into the show, though, and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But there are other ways to make contact as well, including on our Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord. Uh, great folks hanging out in the Discord. Uh, you can also post on our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. And we encourage you to do so. But Brendan, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. Ooh. What would you consider to be your Ooh. story of the week? It's tough because when the trailer finally drops, it will obviously be a bigger story than the story of us finding out that a trailer is coming. <laughs> but uh, – um, obviously Grand Theft Auto 6 is just the one I was like oh I hope that's that's on the list uh, it was very interesting that Rockstar kind of said this in the way that they did they usually kind of will announce something there'll be rumblings and then it's like maybe like three four days out I remember when the Red Dead 2 trailer dropped they were like eh, tomorrow and so we we're like oh and so we all freaked out for like a day and so giving us like a whole month to just kind of lose our minds and speculate about this thing I think is really interesting to kind of weirdly attach it to a thread about talking about yay the company for sam hauser to sign it the tweet there's just a lot of really interesting elements to it yeah not to mention this is going to be just like one of the biggest games of whatever Certainly. gen we're in i know we've uh we've had some leaks around this we've had some leaks with the game you know obviously the code was was stolen and there were some early looks at what gta 6 might be so there's been a lot of tumultuous stuff around hearing about this game of course uh a sixth Entry into this franchise was a given, considering how much of a behemoth this is uh, financially. But um, what are you hoping to see? Now, the news here, of course, as you referred to, is that there will be a trailer coming in December. Uh, we don't know exactly what date yet. Christian and I have been arguing about whether or not this is maybe a, a uh, the Game Awards type uh, announcement. Although, although Rockstar doesn't need the Game Awards, you know. No, they drop, yeah, they can drop a trailer anytime they want. So I'm curious what if you think that will happen, or and uh, when we finally get it, whenever we get it, what you're hoping to see. Um, well, I, I'm hoping it'll obviously be that their trailers are so quick. You know, it's 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 the type of game. It's funny because what I hope we don't is get really caught up in this whole argument about like, I really would have loved to see gameplay because it's like, obviously everything that they're going to show is going to be in engine. You're going to, you're, you're not going to think you're seeing really interesting facets of what the game is going to be. And then you play GTA five and you go back and watch the GTA five trailers. And it's like, oh, they were showing us all of that. You know, they were teasing, yeah. you know, a lot of the interesting functionality. Like the first time we saw, you know, uh, GTA five, we didn't know there were going to be three protagonists and like we, they were there, you know, like they were really showing yeah. kind of the, the city. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that because the leak sucked so bad and because there was so much negative vibes around people seeing this game in progress, that was obviously going to be, you know, a very, um, uh, a very addicting and very, you know, I, I know a lot of people complain about the, the gameplay in GTA, uh, games. I absolutely love it. And so, uh, that is, that is a, a gameplay format well suited for me, but just, uh, 
getting into the story. I hope like, you know, potentially new characters or really making the setting sing can kind of, you know, uh, you know, catch up to all of the the issues that people were talking about before. Just like, oh, this is what the game's going to look like. It's like, obviously, this isn't even an imprint of what the game looks like now. This is clearly footage that was recorded, you know, weeks ago or months ago. Right. Um, so, yeah, I hope it kind of puts that to rest and we can begin a new conversation. But um, hard to put expectations on it because who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, how do you, uh, how do you debut the follow-up to one of the biggest entertainment properties of all time? You know, it's, there's a lot of pressure on that. But also a lot of, you know all they have to do is kind of show some scenes. I think my recollection is I should have looked back, but you were, you brought up how GTA five was, was announced. My recollection was there was a lot of just sort of like scenery, you know, just like places without even characters in it was like, you know, there was outdoor areas or not a lot of outdoor areas, but I mean like um, mm-hmm. wilderness areas. And then there was city stuff and it was just sort of like showing you biomes really, or, or yeah. you know, sections and they may go that route again and just kind of show the the scope of the place that you're going to be in. Yeah. GTA 4 had the same thing. We were hearing Nico Bellic and looking at New York. Right. So we're going to hear some character being like, uh, criminals to being tough. Yeah. Try to get out of the business and then, ah, damn it, I'm back into it, you know, and then just right. like, whoa, look at that street. Wow. Look at that building. Oh, that plane's cool. Yeah. So yeah it'll be, I, I, it will not, I will not be you know, satisfied when it is over. I'll be like, ah, that was 45 seconds long. Like, it's definitely <laughs> going to be super short. Yeah. But um, didn't call it GTA 6 in the tweet, which is like, I might be reading too much into that. But I think that was kind of it's like, hey, if it's if we're like three weeks out, just say GTA 6. Like, man, maybe it's yeah. called Vice City or something weird. I don't know. The next Grand Theft Auto is what they said, right? Uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, Christian Spicer, what are you, what are you looking forward to? I, I, you think, uh, you know, we're going to see what what a video game can look like when money is no object. <laughs> is that what we can look forward to? I mean, that's a great point. Not only is money no object, I mean, GTA 5 is still making more money than any other video game makes on its best day. And so I'm, you know, not surprised that we're seeing a next GTA, but it does feel a little World of Warcraft 2E in the sense that how do they carry over the money-making machine that exists in GTA Online without abandoning it? Are, are all those players going to move over? Are they all? Is it only going to be current-gen hardware? GTA Five came out first on was it PlayStation Three? Has it been that long? Has it? Oh yeah, three sixty PS Three. Yeah, yeah. And so it looks better and better and better with each gen. But where does this one start? And do they cut off people? Is it Warzone? Warzone Two? You know, what aspect of it? Like, I'm fascinated by all of those parts of this business decision because GTA Online makes all the money. The, the physical GTA 5 still sells, you know, astronomically as well. But how do they bring those people over into the next online world? What is it going to look like? And I think Brandon makes a good point in that they did not say GTA 6. And some of my favorite GTAs don't have a number after it. They're San Andreas, Vice City. Liberty City Stories, I'll Die on That, Vita Hill. Yeah. Um, So there's good stuff that isn't numbered. And I wonder if that's a way they'll do it that will allow them to carry old online bones over by having Mm -hmm. this be, um, you know, GTA Jacksonville. You know, you're back in Florida, but not in Miami. (laughs) Jacksonville. (laughs) Tampa Bay. Boca Raton, GTA. Hey, hey, and I hope the... (laughs) protagonist was first teased in uh table tennis you know like that's what i <laughs> yeah we've known all along some descendant of a character in red dead 
Uh, and also the, the <laughs> online wasn't available when five first launched, you know, it was, you know, given how long it's been out, it was like a very short amount of time, like a month or something. But, uh, we really just had no idea how that was going to play out. We were like, Oh, heists, those look cool. And then that didn't happen <laughs> for like two yeah. years. Yeah. So I, I, I would imagine that whether we'll find out any details from the trailer itself, but I imagine online is going to be baked into this thing, whether it's like a separate mode available at launch or whether it's like you're. If you're playing single player, you're also playing online. Like it's all kind of connected. It'll be really interesting to see if they kind of put a wedge between those two things. Because considering how, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a mode <laughs> for a game become as huge, you know, you know, already existing on a, you know, a, a huge game, you know, huge property in its own right. And so I can't imagine, you know, like it's very easy for them to be like, okay, GTA 6 is just going to be the new GTA Online. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. Um, do you we'll think, see. Brendan, do you think uh, it's going to be a game awards reveal? Do you think that Keeley will go super cyan and just like <laughs> explode on, on uh, national streams? I, yeah. I always wonder. Yeah. I always wonder what his phone calls are like. Like, you know, if you're saying early December, if it is at the game awards, why not say it's going to be the game awards? I wonder right. if Keeley's like, no, shh, shh. You know, like you could say, like if we get to the game awards and we still haven't seen that trailer, no one said anything. It's like okay, you know. And of course, that Rockstar logo comes up, but yeah, it would be it'd be weird to be like the next day. You know, yeah. see you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Like it'd be it'd be strange. That'd be a little passive aggressive on Rockstar's part, like the day before, like ten minutes before the game awards, and like just shadow drop it. Oh man, yeah. Well, it's a pretty exciting thing. You know, it's not it's not every uh, not every year we get a new. Grand Theft Auto trailer. So, not every uh, decade. Not <laughs> every decade, exactly. Not every console cycle. Um, yeah, something to look forward to in December for sure. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? So another big property. Uh, news and another big property. This just in. You guys remember the Mario movie? Uh, it's coming to Netflix here in the United States before it was only on Paramount, I think. It did gangbusters uh, on the box office. Made all the money. Looked great. And uh, my family and I loved it. And I was so excited for more animated Nintendo films. And I think their partnership with Universal is a no-brainer. They have this great relationship. And so, of course, we're getting an animated Zelda movie being distributed by Universal because it will also roll into their theme park ambitions. And so I'm just glad that that is the news that was announced this past week right jeff that's exactly what happened my no you've got were, it wrong christian no, uh, they're no. zagging when you think they'll zig no uh, no. <laughs> no we are getting a zelda movie ladies and gentlemen from it's gonna be, universal nah, well from Animated? nintendo from nintendo okay, and, okay, okay you know they're very uh long long lasting business partner sony uh, <laughs> Sony, yeah. So we're getting a live action Legend of Zelda, ladies and gentlemen. This has been uh, confirmed that it will be coming from director Wes Ball, who you may know from the Maze Runner films. I have not seen any of them. I, I cover movies for a living, and I have not seen a single Maze Runner film. Uh, but uh, Wes Ball, the director of the Maze Runner films, will be doing it. It will be uh, written. Uh, according to Deadline by uh, screenwriter Derek Connolly, who you may know from Detective Pikachu, a movie I have seen and, and quite liked. Um, and uh, it's come f- it comes from Sony producer uh, Avi Arad, who you may know as the, the guy who kind of kickstarted the, uh, the whole comic book thing back when comic book movies weren't that good. 
Uh, Avi Arad has been around for quite a while doing genre stuff. Uh, and uh, Mr. Miyamoto came out and uh, said uh, a number of things about this film and his expectations and how hard it is going to be to meet the hurdle of, uh, of what gamers are going to expect. But Christian, you know, you've set this up as uh, not what you thought was going to happen from a Legend of Zelda movie. What do you think about the reality of what has been announced? I'm excited. I think, you know, Nintendo, recent Nintendo has not made any mistakes. Um, people were like, Detective Pikachu, that's never going to work. Ryan Reynolds, live action, that's not what I want from my... And it was great. It was it was super fun. It was great. What a great film. Mario movie, uh, the way they stunt casted it and showed us faces of... Uh, they're just, they don't understand what they're doing. It was great. It was it was it was great. And so I have to believe that this is also going to be great, but it still does kind of tear at my fabric of existence in terms of what I would expect. We talked about it a little bit on our last Wednesday show, Jeff, with Lana and the idea of how do you dress Link in the real world? Um, It's a very cartoonish looking character and we talked about, I don't know how well that converts to live action. I'm curious. You mentioned a, a storied um, career for um, Aviaran to make genre f- stuff. Um, not a lot of it's great, in my opinion. Um, and Sony releases movies that have made a lot of money, but they haven't released a lot of my favorites. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I don't need the legend of Zelda Morbin time, you know, like I don't need (laughs) the legend of Zelda. Let there be carnage. I don't need the legend of Zelda, but here's Lincoln black leather. Cause that looks better in camp, you know, like, so I, again, I fully expect it to be great but my brain doesn't comprehend it right now. <laughs> Brandon, what is your take on this live action Zelda? Oof. We know the we know the creative team around it. Uh, is this a dream come true or worst nightmare realized? I don't. Yeah. I, I think the thing for me with the, the number one issue that I have is just live action, I think is a weird fit for Zelda, especially seeing how, you know, I was the the writing aside from the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I, I enjoyed. I was pleased with just kind of how everything looked. And, you know, with the Zelda world or, you know, there's not just one Zelda world, but there's like a couple elves, just a couple human looking things. And then it's just like the vast majority will be animated. And so it's like for something that will be 95 percent animation, it's strange that they were like, we're just going to put these humans and then they're just going to be staring at nothing throughout like most of the production. Um so that's kind of a bummer uh, or just a challenge, I think. Um, yeah. But, it's, you know, again, you know, echoing what Christian said, it's like hard to have hard to come into it too pessimistic because it could go so well. They could make something really interesting. I, I'm conflicted whether they should make something that kind of comments on stuff of the games as a lot of the games do themselves. Like, when does this take place in the timeline? It would be fun to play that game, but it would also be fun if just it, you just break away from the shackles of that and just like, no, we're going to tell our own story. We're not going to like, this isn't the origin. This isn't the last thing. It's just in there somewhere and it's its own thing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think just the visual look is, and and the fact that the two, you know, the uh, so many of the video games that we know are all even like the Mortal Kombat one, which I dearly love. Like a lot of the stuff kind of, 
um, necessarily poke fun at gaming or gaming fans or fans of franchises, but like they're all inherently comedies, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. Detective Pikachu and Super Mario Brothers like did a really good job of like having fun Easter eggs in there or just kind of commenting on the absurdity of just like these worlds existing by themselves. And like, I can't imagine a Zelda movie would get away with that. I imagine it would be a fairly dramatic story, you know, like Ganondorf would be someone that we would hopefully fear, you know, like, like right. would be someone that we'd hopefully would talk, who knows, you know, like yeah. hopefully someone that we would want to root for and we would feel for Zelda's plight. And if it's like goofy, like I don't, yeah, I'm a little scared of it going in that direction. I think you make a great point in bringing up the tone because you're right. It, it feels like this needs to be Lord of the Rings, you know, the Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings or, or, you know, Game of Thrones, uh, not quite obviously that r-rated but um but in in the sense of kind of honoring the subject the subject matter the the source material you it feels like if you go live action it sort of demands a let's take this seriously approach although having said that i guess the 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 prime example of a live action uh video game movie that worked in the last few years is sonic the hedgehog and detective pikachu and Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I don't think that one was a huge uh, financial hit. Uh, it was a, a sort of modest summer release that year. I think it made uh, right around $100 million, maybe less. I think maybe it was like $80, $90 million that year. So it was it was a summer release that didn't make the top 10. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, this is totally coming out of my memory, so I may be wrong. But I don't remember it blowing the doors off. That said, Sonic did and has and is a massive hit. So... You know, but I think to to Brendan's point, that is exactly you know what, what you were talking about, Brendan. It, it, it inherently a comedy. You kind of mm-hmm. have to kind of make fun of it, and the whole interplay between the live action people and the animated video game character is inherently goofy. And if you can lean into the goofy, then you kind of can make you know make it work. And I, it just doesn't seem like that's the right play for a Legend of Zelda. Um, I, I I'll go farther than either of you and say, I think this is a mistake. Maybe they'll be able to pull it off. And I, I hope they can. I want, I root for it to work, but I feel like doing this as an animated feature, like super Mario brothers feels like, like the no brainer approach. Like that's the, that's how this works well. And to try to do it live action just seems like you're taking on so many, you, you know, that your, your, your level of difficulty has gone up precipitously <laughs> hard mode for sure Yeah, just just because <laughs> of how difficult it is to make that world not seem goofy and, and like i was i mentioned this to christian on our you know wednesday show but it, i've seen some incredible link cosplay none of it would work in a film no you know what i mean nah. you and so do you do you depart do you just you don't do uh, the authentic version or the link that everybody has in their head with the, you know, the goofy green cap that's back on the head with the puff of blonde hair coming out. Like that doesn't really, I don't, any way that you do that and try to do it seriously, I think it just looks ridiculous. So do you do sort of a tears of the kingdom, breath of the wild, like he can wear lots of different things and he's just has pointy ears. Is that the look of link? And then, and then what, like, what are we even doing? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I would just love like an 80s Henson puppet heavy, weird blue screen version of Zelda. That'd be great. You know, yeah, it would. but it's just going to be like so digital and so um, 
just yeah just so yeah. not there you know and so if like if it all wasn't there you know then then they could really tweak it it's funny like with sonic you know he you know visually launched you know to such an uproar from the community and it's like you can't fix an actor <laughs> you get somebody <laughs> you get somebody in those tights and then that first tra- trailer drops and people are like no it's like yeah. well we can't change it I mean, I mean, you know, the, the other thing you brought up too, Brennan, is that like, what, what era of Zelda do you do? You know, what version of this world? Because it's not really ever been the same thing. Yeah. There's a lot of different interpretations, even in the, the canon of the games. And so what is – what? I mean, I, I, in, in one sense, that gives you license to just do whatever you want. Which is what they should do, yeah. That's probably true. If, if they, they probably pick should a just... game, it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Although none of the fans of that game are going to be happy with what you do. Like It's just, it's just yeah. a cooking movie. It's just 90 minutes of length. <laughs> just vegetables <laughs> bouncing up and down in a pan for <laughs> or like what was the what's the dance game with the where, where like you it's like an rpg but you have to move to the beat and then they did a zelda version of that oh it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, link, yeah yeah just the link ne- dancing the yeah. necro dancer yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just link dancing for an hour and a half if if anything gives me hope i mean i guess a big part of my optimism comes from nintendo and believing in their renewed seal of quality you know this isn't the cdi zelda we're not we're well past that era and even the super mario super show sorry people who are hardcore into that show i love it too it's beloved it's not good uh beloved not good but also sony alone box office yay me enjoying no but sony with someone managing them i like it a lot i mean i love i love those new spider-man films um those are also very cgi heavy you know most of the time spidey's flipping around it's not tom holland doing that you know and it looks good and so i think if miyamoto kind of is in front of this saying i'm going to be involved we're taking this seriously that that gives me a lot of hope but there are more questions than um not (laughs) i guess here's the here's the exact quote from uh, miyamoto uh talking on a i think on a uh a uh financial call uh uh, miyamoto says um, uh, movies are just like games in that you need to spend a lot of time working on them until you get to something you're satisfied with movies therefore need sponsors who can lend their full support until completion for the production of our movies nintendo itself acts as a sponsor to produce the movie we assembled a group of people willing to commit time to the production until we come up with something we feel confident about for the live action film of the legend of zelda avi arad and i are taking plenty of time to prepare we hope to release something good that will meet everyone's expectation. So please look forward to it. <laughs> so uh, th- th- that's a good uh, point to note as well is it's not coming anytime soon. Ladies and gentlemen, right. <laughs> this is just, we're starting. We're starting. So we shall it's a see. financial call because oopsie, we're spending a lot of money on this and we have to announce something because yeah. mm-hmm. we have shareholders. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's great. I want it to be great. It just it'll feels do like bonkers. A, I mean, it'll, you know. Yeah. You know, if it's it, remotely the, the, good, it'll do. The more bonkers. fans hate it, the more they're going to be, I'm going to show up to make, <laughs> draw my list of exactly. I mean, the it's, legend it's, of Zelda, the room is all it yeah. is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, you know, with, with all the toxicity of you know, fans just fighting back against franchises that they like seem to love Zelda fans have a really interesting way of like being kind of cordial about it. Like they really just get mad at like things that aren't in remasters or, you know, style choices or something. But like, 
even some of the what I consider to be the best Zelda experiences I've ever had, I'll have conversations with Zelda fans and I'm like, you had a problem with what? Like they just yeah. they're so specific and they're not wrong. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just their specific take on it. So it's like, yeah, I, I can't imagine the the majority of Zelda fans being pleased with any sort of first look we get on this thing. I think it'll, yeah. be, it'll be an acquired taste for sure. Well, as somebody that uh, once uh, posted something on social media that, could be construed as not entirely favorable about the Zelda storyline, which is not what I was saying at all at the time. But my goodness, did That's I uh, drink from the fire hose of opinions on that one? The torrent of uh, so yes, I the the Zelda fans have opinions. I have experienced firsthand that one. Um, <laughs> we shall see how their opinions play out in the coming years. Uh, all right, my my story of the week. Uh, is a big new hardware announcement. Nice. Valve announced uh, a new version of the Steam Deck, which is coming. It may be here by the time you listen to this. It's uh, one of those things where they announce it and it happens very fast. Uh, Steam Deck is getting an update. We'll have a new shiny OLED screen. This is going to be called Steam Deck OLED. Uh, it is set to release November 16th, which as we release this is, is in four days. Uh, it's going to have better audio. Uh, and most notably for folks uh, that own the Steam Deck and have had issues with this, much longer battery life. At least that's what they report right. or, you know, purport. Uh, they're estimating 30 to 50% improvement over the launch Steam Deck in terms of battery battery life. And uh, it will still be the same price. The uh, It will come in two versions, the 512 gigabyte and the one terabyte versions, which will be priced 549 and 649 respectively. Uh, it will still include a micro SD slot. What do you think about this, Brandon? A new, uh, new Steam Deck, longer battery life, OLED, shiny, inky black OLED screen. Uh, are you, do you have a, a steam deck now? And or I, do, I would ex- not do that to myself. I do not have a steam deck. I'm good. <laughs> you wouldn't do uh, it to yourself. <laughs> you I had a try. book to write. What, what no, are you going to do? It. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, do, when we get to the, what games are you playing? Like I've played like three this year. I really had to like step away. And so like, I got my Kindle next to my bed and I'm doing research for the next book. You know, like I'm try, really trying to do my homework and focus on that. Good for you. I love it. That would be the worst idea. Also, OLED. I know. It is OLED so, Steam Um I also, um, yeah, I think just quick. This seems like, you know, compared to when this thing first launched, it's good on them. Because I remember everybody just like waiting forever to finally get their, you know, Steam Decks in the mail. Yeah. And, um, and people are st- like, <laughs> I think I, when I hear them talking about the the battery life, and this is not from experience because I've yet to even just like hold one of those things in my hand, but, um, you know, people are still going to be dissatisfied. Like people, you know, it's like not <laughs> for the games I play, improve battery <laughs> right. life when you look at this list of games, but yeah, challenge, yeah. challenge accepted. You know, <laughs> that's right. They'll, that's they'll right. find a game. Play text just, adventures on this yeah, thing. So much that. better battery life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't have many plane flights in my future. So it does not, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense, but I mean, it, um, I, I think if, as far as like tech, um, is concerned, I, you know, maybe this is just who I'm following on social media, but it just like, people love that thing. I mean, people are, you know, really, really happy, you know, of, yeah. you know, the, the functionality when stuff gets steam verified, I just, you know, everybody, you know, freaks out about certain games. And so, uh, hopefully yeah, it just, um, 
I mean, you know, with any tech, there'll probably be an issue or two out of the gate, but uh, hopefully it's something that I feel, I feel happy for the Steam community. I feel bad for anybody. And I've seen a few express their frustrations that like just bought a Steam Deck. Finally, yeah. <laughs> they were just held off. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. And that happens. Uh, Christian and I both have Steam Decks. We both love our Steam Decks. Um, and so, you know, mine's I, in the garbage. I don't have one. I anymore. was going to say no, yours, yeah, you conveniently gone, broke yours right before gone. this thing got announced. Yeah. So Shucks. well Look, done, you know, I broke my TV. I broke my steam. I've, I broke so many things, Jeff. It's real. It's getting real hairy. Over yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop swinging your arms around, I guess. You know, it's amazing what you can do with a screwdriver and removing things and a trash can. It's, it just keeps happening to me. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I, I'm going to say something I think is maybe at odds with at least my reading of events. Uh, people commenting. Dear listener, your Steam Deck is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, 30% your... more than two hours is not that much more. <laughs> it is not. Your house is not that big. You're not going to be walking from bedroom to toilet and run out of battery. You'll be okay. OLED. I OLED's beautiful. I can't I won't pretend that OLED isn't a better screen, but I'm also I love tech. Uh something I don't know if I've publicly admitted my uh shame on this show. My TV is a 1080p whatever LCD TV. That's it. That's all it is. Doesn't have 4K, doesn't have inky blacks. It's got garish grays <laughs> there are no there are no black that's why that you don't thing. enjoy watching television Chris. <laughs> oh. i haven't watched a show in over 88 <laughs> years um but it you know like we we me we buy into this cycle of like yeah. upgrade improvement how much better is it and oh digital foundry has i love digital foundry i'm not knocking them digital foundry has a video out that says that this one actually you get like one to two frames per second better uh, frame rate yeah. with this it's like marginal and better battery life and oled and i can't your, your steam deck's great your steam deck's great you don't need the oled one i love that it exists because i think tech always marches and gets better and this is a great way for people who are on the fence to buy one this is the one you should buy if you don't have one i love that they've kind of phased out the old model and just replaced it with this one but dear listener also dear uh friend slash co-host slash friend jeff you hear that, friend? Your Steam Deck's good enough, Jeff. I'm Your not going to get deck... this. I'm not getting Okay, this. good. Okay, good. I'm not, I, I'm not tempted by this. I I was a sucker enough to get a new uh, Switch, but it's only because my children destroyed the other Switch. But I got the <laughs> OLED Switch, and I don't – I can see the improvement in the screen. It's not that dramatic. It really is not – it's not going from 1080p to 4K. It's not, you know – it's not gonna blow. The I wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, I, I, th- I agree. I think this is cool, and I think it's cool that they're you know continuing to um, uh, iterate on these things in the sense that I don't think you'll be able to buy the original Steam Deck in stores anymore. Th- this is the same. So, yeah, price. they've replaced it yeah. exactly. So this is just like making a better product in place of the old product. It's not trying to sell you a new one per se. It's they're just kind of refreshing the product. And I think that's cool. I don't, I also am not moved to replace my steam deck. You, you broke yours on purpose. Who's to say, I but should you- say shout out to I fix it and also valve and right to repair. I opened that baby up, ordered official parts, fixed it myself. And am I maybe going to look to see if you can swap in the OLED yourself? That might be a tinkering hobby. I might enjoy doing, but the, the steam deck is great. Be it's you. very fixable, uh, very tinkerable. And they've been great about that, but I agree with everything. Sounds to me 
Like you didn't break it enough. <laughs> hey, if you, what is it? If You're you give terrible a, if you give at a mouse breaking a, things. If you give a mouse a cookie, you know, don't yeah, challenge exactly. me to a good time, Jeff. Well, here, yeah, I mean, I think this is cool, but I think more importantly, here's a question that we got sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Colin, who sent this in as a story, who said, hey, you guys got to talk about the uh, the OLED Steam Deck announcement, which, you know, yes, I agree, Colin. But Colin followed it up with a question. And Colin wrote, now I am in the market for a new gaming system. I have a two-year-old at home and very little time to sit in front of my TV. The Steam Deck seems like the way to go given my situation. But I also want to play Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, and other Game of the Year candidates. I've been thinking about a GeForce Now subscription, which maybe could let me do both. I would love to know what you all think. Brendan, you have a do you have an opinion about this? I don't know if you've used GeForce Now. Or... I'm, I'm not using any of this stuff. Yes, yeah, so okay. sadly, I don't have a, any financial tips on that one. Christian, uh, this seems like a question directly in your wheelhouse as a big proponent of the GeForce Now platform and a man who has both broken and fixed his Steam Deck. <laughs> um, Colin, I would buy a Steam Deck. And I would know its limitations as to what games it can play. Go in, eyes wide open. It will not run Alan Wake 2 natively. Um, I think you can get it to run Baldur's Gate 3 natively. And then on your Steam Deck, you can. there are very easy guides to follow. You can set up GeForce Now through the Microsoft Edge browser. And you can do GeForce Now on your Steam Deck. And so do the free trial of GeForce Now. There might be a queue. You'll have to wait a little bit, but that will give you an idea of what that experience is like if you have speedy Wi-Fi. And this new Steam Deck has the, I think, Wi-Fi 6 chip in it, so speedier Wi-Fi as well, which will help with things like GeForce Now. Um, but as we get to games we've been playing, one game I've been playing this week, I've been playing almost exclusively via the cloud on my Steam Deck and really loving that experience. So I think it is a great experience if you have the bandwidth for it, the internet bandwidth for it. And what, but what I love about the Steam Deck natively, so games that can run it, uh, games you can run natively on the, on the deck versus the cloud, is that sleep-wake function. If you're playing via GeForce Now, it doesn't have that immediate power off. So if the kids need you or work needs you or something else comes up, you have to exit out or try to find a save and kind of quit out. Or if you're playing something natively on Steam Deck, unless it's an always online game, you just boop that top power button creates that pause instance for you. When you get a little free time again, you pick it back up and run and play. And so for that reason alone, if you are busy and looking to jump back in, I would pick Steam Deck first, and then I would dip my toe into GeForce Now for some of those beefier games. I think that's a great answer. I I will only uh, modify it and say that my experience with the Steam Deck, uh, and, and take this with a grain of salt because I have become a bit of a frame rate snob, and I apologize for that, but I... I have gotten to the point now with these the new consoles and everything where you can do the performance mode and you can get higher than 30 frames per second. I've gotten to the point where I really prioritize high frame rate on stuff. And I have gotten to the point where I, as much as I enjoy my Steam Deck, I really don't play anything on my Steam Deck that is going to, uh, that is that demanding. Uh, anything that's like a big 3D world, you know, while the Steam Deck is capable of playing it, even uh, the game I talked about last week, Jusson, which is, um, you know, not a big Twitch, fast-paced, you know, shooty game. There's no violence in it whatsoever. You're just climbing stuff. But it's a gorgeous game, 
third person 3D world and a game I wanted to, you know, look around in. I found the, I loaded it on my Steam Deck. I was like, oh, and I played this on my Steam Deck. And I was like, oh, no, I got to go back to my desktop PC because I just wanted that beautiful world to be rendered in a higher frame rate. So I tend to use my Steam Deck to play a lot of the games that I really enjoy uh, that are Steam games, you know, indie games that don't require that kind of stuff. A lot of the roguelikes and deck building games and, you know, uh, sort of less demanding visually, uh, but still super fun and great on the go games. I love my Steam Deck for that, but I don't, I don't use it for its marquee feature, which is like, whatever you've got on Steam will work on this. I, I don't, I don't buy into that hype personally. And that is where the cloud could help. Like I, yeah. I played a bunch yeah. of AAA, you know, prettiest, shiniest games, Alan Wake 2, for example, via GeForce Now. And it runs great on deck because it's not doing any of the processing. It's just this screen and it, right. it works great that way. Cool. Hope that helped. Colin, thanks for the question. Let's get to the if games. You wanna, that- if you want an old steam deck that's been recently repaired <laughs> no, I'm just it's still got a screwdriver sticking out of it but it still works it still works <laughs> yeah, keep that screwdriver uh, handy you never know that's right I need it. <laughs> all right let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist Ooh, Brendan, I know you have been a very busy man doing lots of really cool things. And you said gaming has kind of moved off to the side a little bit for you. But what have you been playing? What's been on your playlist, if anything? Well, I know this is a segment coming up. But uh, my relationship to VR, my relationship to my Oculus Quest 2 is that like when it comes out, it stays out. Like whenever Mm -hmm. I come out and just, you know, like unbox it and plug everything in, I'm always tempted to like open up the store and just like, wow, there's new stuff. So I don't know if you want me to save any of that specifically. Yeah, we'll do a VR segment uh, after this, but. uh, So yeah, uh, yeah. that's really what I've been playing. I would say quote unquote lately. Uh, The six days following the launch of Spider-Man 2, I just, like I knew, uh, played Zelda over the summer and then I knew, um, I'm like, okay, I got to take just a two month hiatus from games entirely and then got to get this book done before you know october 20th because holy <laughs> cow i gotta get into that and so yeah finished that sucker in under a week and uh very very much enjoyed that that was the last triple a game that i completed i'm not sure yeah. if that conversation has been has dried no, up or if that's been oversaturated on this podcast no not at all we we you know we've certainly talked a lot about uh spider-man 2 but i'd love to get your thoughts obviously you were you enjoyed it you played through the whole thing did yeah how did it compare for you with the other Spider-Man games from Insomniac. I don't know if you could tell by my uh, GTA 6 nomination for the uh, story headline of the week, but I'm an open world fan. That is my favorite genre. Um, And uh, I'm a Batman kid. I'm definitely a DC Comics kid. And so it was interesting to have like my love of Spider-Man just grow and grow as I got older. Um, And uh, certainly by the, right before we got like the Arkham games, I would say, you know, Spider-Man was kind of treated like a little bit better in gaming. Like I definitely, you know, played the heck out of both of those games on the the PS one and just was blindsided by that first game. I mean, just like acting, the music, the writing, the world building, like I really, really liked it. And so I would say for the year and maybe for like the looking ahead at just this generation, that was my number one anticipated game. I was like, I can't imagine what they're going to do with that sucker. Um, I actually, I think the thing that surprised me the most was uh, you know, like right when it came out, I was just like, okay, you know, 
told my wife, you take the four-year-old, I'm just going to dig into this. And after like two and a half hours, I was like trying to catch my breath. Like I, I came back out and we were having dinner that night. She's like, how is it? I'm like, stressful. Like <laughs> as one of the things I really liked about the first game is it, and, and I, I feel that the Arkham games for is just as, as awesome as those are. I feel like I'm Batman. I don't feel like I'm Bruce. You know, like I definitely don't feel like I'm a persona who has to reckon with, you know, uh, has to deal with, you know, the, the stress of being this alter persona. It's just like, no, I'm just Batman and I'm just kicking some Batman ass where I really like, you know, they, they, they show as, as very important to the Spider-Man story, how difficult it is for Peter Parker to, and, and now Miles to, to weigh, you know, all of their responsibilities. And so there were moments where I found myself, you know, I see a crime and be like, should I stop and do that? Or should I go do the story? And I was like, oh, they did it. You know, yeah. that's the, that's the, yeah. the struggle. Like they, they really pulled that off. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the first like two, three hours of Spider-Man two, there's not that moment, you know, where Miles is like, well, that was fun. I guess I'll just wander around. Like there's no wandering. They're like, I have to go, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, Harry called me on the cell phone screaming. I should probably go over to his office and see what's going on. It's like, well, I'm not going to stop and do side missions right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I feel like those opportunities were a little few and far between. You can ignore all of that stuff. As any open world fan knows, you can have that or Zelda fan, you know, you can have that emergency, you know, you know, yeah. uh, you know, that light bulb going off on the map. You're just like, eh, I'm gonna go fish. I think they um, do a great <laughs> job though. And something that does a great job with these games in serving it up to you in sort of manageable chunks. Like you don't open your map and see 14 crimes happening. You know, yeah. you're swinging along and it's like, Hey, there's a crime nearby. And then you can feel like, oh, I really should do that because that's the only crime that's happening right now. And Those I just poor people. To, yeah, yeah. It like it like serves it to you. You know, it feels yeah. it feels organic in a way that a lot of, of open world games don't get get. You know, a lot of them just are like, okay, here's the four hundred things. Go do them in whatever yeah. order you want. Instead of it feeling like this organic sort of living event process that's happening throughout New York City in those games and discovering stuff. Like I've talked to people. You know, devs and and journalists and stuff that just they're like, ah, you know, some of the games are fun, but it just feels like homework, man. Yeah. Like every time, and it's you know, seeing how they changed it in Spider Man Two, it's funny to go back to Spider Man One because you like unlock you know a you know kind of fetch quest where all these different things pop up in the map, and they have a sequence every time where you'll like kind of scroll through the map of New York and just boop, 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 yeah, yeah. I can just imagine just these people getting migraines. Like, no, <laughs> why are you showing me this? I'm getting stressed yeah. out. Yeah, and so I didn't realize how that could have been fixed and going into Spider-Man 2, it definitely feels like, oh, I, I never got that moment where I was like, Ugh, I don't, okay, that's another thing I got to do. It all yeah. felt very nearby. It's like what I'm focused on is the stuff that is around me right now. Uh, and that was a definite, not something that I felt needed to be fixed from the first game, but was, yeah. was an improvement for sure. And I, I felt like I was less in the map than I am in similar games because they do such a good job of having the iconography live above the, the city skyline you know mm -hmm. so you see like oh there's like flames coming up or yeah. smoke it's like i know what that is and there's you know lightning in the sky i know what that is and it, it, it do such a good job of not forcing you to constantly look at your map you can kind of just navigate the city organically it's it's cool it's a stressful Spider-Man moment too, because you can imagine yeah. Peter looking out and being like, "God damn, you know, like, <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff going All on." All I want to do is right see, yeah. yeah. And yeah. one thing that kind of visually that that took me a second, um, because that's one of the things you're talking about, you know, frame rate, Jeff, and just like looking at gorgeous environments and just like I love stopping into a place and I like that you can perch up on the edge of buildings and I love just like looking at that city. The wingsuit is so much fun to play with, but when I saw like the gusts channels, I was like, "Oh, 
that's interesting. It's weird to just see like, whoosh, you yeah, know, like yeah. flying through the streets. I was like, I don't know if I'm into that. And then, you know, 30 hours later, I'm like, I don't care at all. This is <laughs> yeah. so much yeah. fun Whee! to just like, yeah, the river. to just yeah. Iron Man through those things. It's a blast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, they were, there were some boss fights in that that were just, I, I feel like they've really ramped up the emotion of it again to a point where it was like almost unsustainable for a couple hours. Like I just had to put the controller down. Like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. You know, Peter was just screaming for like an hour and a half. I got to stop. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they really, uh, um, that was a very emotional journey. And, uh, and I think it's really interesting how, you know, the, the journey that Peter and Miles go on, how that factored into their skill tree. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen that in an action game, certainly not in like a, uh, story portrayal of a superhero in a game where it's just kind of like, that's constantly being shaken up. You like, look at yeah. your skill tree and there's just a lot of stuff that's grayed out. Cause it's like wink I mean, we'll get there, you know, like you're not really exposed to that yet. And kind of like the last big power up that Peter does. I was just like, yeah, it just was so gratifying after everything that he'd been through. So that was neat. Yeah. And awesome. New. I just want to go in his apartment, man. You couldn't do it in the first game. And you can't you can't go into Miles' apartment and you can't go into Peter's house. Like, come on, you know, like <laughs> granted, I don't need anything to do in there. And you can't there's some, you know, story missions where you get to waltz around, but it just it seems so strange that I can't just like you, you have it. You have the 3D That's environment. A good point. Just, yeah. I didn't just even take the mask off and just like hang out in my bedroom. <laughs> I want to be immersed. It never even occurred to me to do that. Maybe I'm, I, uh, I got to oh, relax I mean, a little more. As a it is not important. <laughs> Insomniac is not going to hurt their bottom line by not doing that in Spider-Man 3. But that was like one of, one of my only gripes when That's I cool. posted. Spider-Man 2. Very, very, very good game. Yeah, recommend. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? So last week for you, Jeff, I think you you said your games had a theme of uh, hard to pronounce. I think yeah. Games mm-hmm. with titles that are hard to pronounce. My theme for this week is Christian trying to find his next thing. In 2023, every game's been, you know, so many bangers, so many 10 out of 10 games. And I feel like I really came off a moment of Alan Wake 2. Loved every single second of that. Um, I have been replaying the Control AWE expansion after finish. It's the Alan Wake expansion in Control. Loving going back to that. But I'm also looking now for that next main course game that I'm going to kind of spend my time with here um, for a while. So there's been a few that I've been dipping in and out of, and I'm going to, I'll talk through some a little longer than others. The first one I want to stop, start with is Sanabi, which has been an early access for quite a while. I think about a year. I received a code for this game and it is a 2d action platformer. It's not a pixel precision platformer in the way of Celeste, but visually you might see some similarities between it and Celeste in terms of the the pixel art. Um, And it's kind of in this cyberpunk style world. And you have a, think, bionic commando grappling hook. And that is how you are swinging around the world most of the time doing your platforming is with this um, bionic commando style arm. And then also engaging in in combat and in traversal. And this game gets a lot right. I think aesthetically it's beautiful. I think the soundtrack is awesome. And it's also trying to tell this really cool, compelling, emotional story where, you know, it. I think even in the, the Steam um, description for the game, it's like the, the general needs to come back for one more mission. You know, this person thinks they had life figured out and they're brought back into the world, this gruesome underbelly to go kill a whole bunch of people because things didn't go to plan. Right. 
And it tells that story in a really effective or emotional way where I think it doesn't quite hit and isn't quite, hasn't quite become my next main meal is that the way it delivers that story, in my opinion, feels like such a full stomp on the brakes from the awesome bionic commando-esque platforming where I'm flying around and it's this breakneck speed where I'm chaining to this thing and I pull around and I zip down and I take this person out and I'm in this awesome boss battle and then you land and then it's going to be a story scene and then you can't even run. It's just walk, 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 walk as you're crossing the same, you know, pixel length screen that you just flew across at 90 miles an hour. And I'm like, get over there. Okay. And so it's like kind of grinds things to a halt in my opinion, where I'm finally getting a flow and then it delivers again, I think interesting, compelling story, but I don't think they've quite married them together um, the way maybe Insomniac uh, did in, in Spider-Man and other games have. The other nit I have with it that keeps it from kind of really scratching that um, Katana Zero um, itch in terms of an action platformer is the way default controls you move your little bionic commando arm is with the right analog stick, but then jump is a yes. I tweaked it. Yes. You can put it on back paddles, which is nice, but in that default control, I think it's a little cumbersome to try to shift from a to get your jump and then re-angle your chain arm to change your um, grapple point. And so it became more frustrating than fun at times. And then even when I reworked the controller, I still felt like I wasn't quite able to get that perfect flow state that um, I wanted if you, if the game didn't even demand it of me. But I think for folks that are looking for that pixel art, a Katana Zero vibes um, with great pixel art, great music, and a really interesting story that perhaps pumps the brakes a little too hard on the action. Um, it's S-A-N-A-B-I, and it's out now in, in 1.0. And... Uh, a lot of fun. It has a few issues here and there, but I think it's a lot of fun and worth worth checking out indeed. Cool. That's Sanabi. The second what? game, which stays in this uh, 2D world, is Ebenezer in the Invisible World. This yeah, is I a played me- uh, I played this uh, during uh, Steam Next Fest, and I yes. thought you would I thought you would dig it. Yes, you called it out. Uh, I forget if it was on the show or if you just texted it to me if I had tried it yet, and I had yeah. not. At that point, um, I received a code for this game as well. This game is hand-drawn art. So different. It's not pixel art. It is hand-drawn animation. And it is stunning. Not enough games do this hand-drawn style 2D animated look. Absolutely. Almost gorgeous. looks like a children's book, you know? It, yeah. It's yeah. so beautiful. There are moments early on where you're in London and there's labor strife happening. And so it has that beautiful was it parallaxing of like where the background is moving at a different pace in the foreground, but you see like workers back there protesting and snow is falling and they have the gas lamps lit. I mean, just stunningly beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. I love this art style. And it's a style that I think isn't done as much. So many things now are pixel art for this style of, of game. It's a Metroidvania. I'm not sure if I said that. Um, absolutely beautiful. It's not my main course. I can't rock the premise for some reason. <laughs> I can't. Uh, it is takes place after a Christmas Carol, beloved Muppets, Chef Kiss. What a great <laughs> nice. version. 
What a great Didn't version. Didn't think that was going to come up, but yes. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. A, almost a perfect version telling what a story. What if Ebenezer Scrooge, after he was done hanging out with the Muppets and learning a life lesson, <laughs> oh, decided God. that the only way to move forward is to kick some ass? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if so Gonzo what... was in this game? Would it be your main course? I mean, would you... Maybe. Maybe. Thank you, Brandon. That's what it's missing. More Gonzo. Uh, <laughs> um. And that, but that is the premise, Jeff. Just not with Muppets. It's Ebenezer goes through his stuff. Yeah, it's pretty soon after he's gone through his stuff, and then a spirit says, "Hey, you've seen the spirits. There's someone else that uh, we visited. The spirits visited to try to correct their life because they're on this horrible path. Except their life's not going to be corrected. They're actually evil, even eviler now. But you need to go interact with the spirits and stop them. And Ebenezer, which." Ebenezer is just synonym for geezer in my brain. Like it's just, he's an old, Ebenezer's just like, game on, give me my cane. And by cane, I mean whooping stick, you know? And yeah. he's <laughs> flying around this world very much Metroid. You get powers, spirits give you powers and you're beating people with your cane. And it's it's great. I can't say it's not great. I haven't finished it, but I, I just can't. Can I think get if you're past the for, goofiness? I, it, something I about think it, it. it. It embraces the goofiness, though. Like it, it is aware that it's goofy, and I think it knows. It knows that this premise is kind of silly, and I think it. That's part of the charm. In my I mean, at times, but at times it's labor strike going on well, in yeah. London because <laughs> yeah. the workers are treated poorly, and Ebenezer's like, I used to be a part of that problem, but now, I, and it's like, there's real stuff here. But then it's like, you meet a ghost, and he's like, Hey, you want to go whoop some butt even harder? And Ebenezer's like, Hell yeah! I mean, <laughs> you want really, to double jump? Like, yeah, yeah, you want a double jump? You will yeah. be visited by three spirits in increasingly high levels. Just yeah. jump higher. And, and so I think I don't want to, you know, joke about this game too much because I think there are people that are maybe looking for a holiday game. You know, everybody, you watch Die Hard, you go watch Iron Man 3, any Shane Black movie, I guess is all I'm listing now. Is Die Hard Shane Black? No, it's no, not, is it? McTiernan. Thank you. Your Christmas Sorry. movies. You've, Lethal Weapon. That's That's another... Um, you, you watch your Christmas, you want to play your holiday themed games. And I think Ebenezer and the invisible world will scratch that itch for a lot of folks. It's snowy in London. It has these Christmassy vibes. I think people can get behind it in a big way. I can't get over the fact that in my head, I'm an 85 year old dude, air dashing, double jumping and being the crap out of uh security guards, my cane, <laughs> but it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay, Jeff, do you want to jump in or want me to just go through all of these games? I've played I, a I lot can, of I'll games. Do, I'll just do a game and, you, and we can come back to you okay. if you want, just to give yeah. you a break. Um, I, I feel I like I Ebenezer a... right now. I'm getting too old for this. Yeah, you uh, fell. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll take a look <laughs> at the gray on this guy. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, One of my most anticipated games of the year came out this this week, uh, which is a uh, you know, very long list because this year has had so many anticipated games. But uh, I was a huge fan of the first Talos Principle. And uh, Talos Principle 2 was released this last, I guess it was last week, end of last week. I didn't talk about it on last week's show, but I have been playing it a lot and I absolutely love it. This is a, if you don't aren't aware uh, of the Talos Principle, uh, this is Crow Team's uh, puzzle, first person puzzle game. This is a pure puzzle game in that you are literally walking into rooms you pass through a force field walk into a room that is a cell a completely contained puzzle box and you have to 
do whatever you have to do in there to solve the puzzle, to move on to the next room, a uh, series of rooms connected, unlock a door, which uh, is one of several doors. So it's just nesting puzzles all the way down. What Talos principle two brings to the table is a much more robust story and uh, fictional world that you're inside as you're solving those puzzles. And I think that is quite uh, remarkable. It's, it is, it is additive. It, it, it does enhance the experience for me. This is a game that has very big philosophical introspection. It is a game that is wrestling with the big ideas uh, about what it is to be human. It is a, 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 you know, it is a game that quotes, you know, great philosophers quotes uh, Greek mythology. It is trying to sort of, you know, as you are doing these very, I think, very fun puzzles, uh, it is then interspersing kind of deep thoughts. And if you're not into that, it, that could be a turnoff. For me, I thought that was was cool and fun. Um, you are playing as an AI, as a robot in a post-human version of a world. And you're kind of ex- experiencing, I don't want to spoil anything, but you're, you're kind of, um, you know, examining what it is to be human or not human to, to, to have consciousness or not have consciousness. And I think those themes are fascinating for me as a science fiction fan, uh, and as a, you know, philosophy fan, but the real meat and potatoes of this game and all of that is, by the way, is, is served to you through, you know, interacting with other characters, dialogue options, interacting, you know, reading journals and, and, you know, records of, a uh, uh, civilization that used to be here and, and sort of, you know, typical video gamey stuff, but the real meat and potatoes of the game are the puzzles and the puzzles are just stellar. I mean, it's top tier. If you like games like portal, uh, or, um, uh, what's another great sort of first person puzzle game. Um, actually the game that it most reminds me of, to be honest, is one of my favorite games of all time, which is the witness. Yeah. So because it, like the witness Talos principle two deposits you in this big world. It's not an open world, but there are open sections of it and you wander around and part of the puzzle of the world is the way the world is laid out. So there are these, you know, like I said, very self-contained, puzzle rooms and the things you'll be doing in it are like shooting lasers and trying to connect lasers with these little paws that you can pick up and uh you know little devices that let you bore a hole through a wall or uh change the color of the laser to try to match it to the keyhole that it needs to go in or like all these various you know i think kind of cool but uh you know, very dry concepts in, in a sense. I mean, it's very, it's very pure puzzle solving. It's putting cubes on platforms. It's shooting lasers around corners. It's, you know, it's, it's very much like you're in a puzzle room, like, like portal um, or the witness. And, and the way it, it relates to the witness is that the environment itself also is a puzzle and you're wandering around these things and there's clues in the environment and there's things the environment tells you. And so, you know, I don't think it is as, sort of uh, refined as uh, as The Witness, but it's very close. And it's also very good-looking game. The engine is 
really, really pretty. So you're in these gorgeous 3D rendered environments that look, you know, nearly photoreal in, in certain sense, uh, certain areas. Um, you're in sort of beautiful outdoor areas or co- sort of temple-like or sort of sci-fi areas. Um, and you're just kind of opening more doors, accessing more areas of the, of the, of the environment, learning more about the, this history and kind of delving into these philosophical questions. So for a lot of folks, that sounds really boring and there's not much action to be found. But for me, it's catnip. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I've played this for many, many hours. I plan to play many, many more of it. It is, it, it delivers that feeling that I think people remember from, from Portal and probably from The Witness if you played The Witness. But certainly Portal is the poster child for, for oh my God, this is impossible. Oh my God, I'm a genius. <laughs> I am a genius. And that going from, I have, you know, beating your head against the wall. I have no idea how to do this to, oh, it, it all becomes clear and I am a golden God. Um, I love that. I love that feeling. And the, the Talos principle too, delivers that feeling in spades. It is over and over and over. I got to a point where I'm just like sitting there wandering around trying to do that, trying to, trying to, trying to, try. and then you, it clicks and you go, oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful. And I am brilliant for thinking of this and I did it. And then what do you, what is your reward? A new puzzle. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's layers and layers and layers of puzzles all the way down. But just an awesome game. If you're into puzzle games, this is a must buy in my opinion. I think the Talos Principle 1 was great and this this does feel like Portal to Portal 2 level of progression in how you know the 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 more sophisticated version of the idea and um the more robust storytelling, the more sort of uh fleshed out fantasy world, sci-fi world. It's it's excellent. Talos Principle 2, another game that I think de- mm. deserves to be in that game of the year conversation, in my opinion. Wild. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't touched two, but I played one. Didn't finish it, but um, uh, because I'm not as smart as you are, Jeff. I, could, oh. <laughs> I, I, would, I would hit some of those points and I wouldn't have those re- revelations. But yeah, there's something about all of the, the deep themes that the, the first game you know touched upon mixed with staring at lasers and just kind of like just trying to take in the environment like those two were just yeah like yeah. uh peanut butter and chocolate man like they, they they really give you the time to just kind of sit and soak up those themes and i thought those were oh yeah a great match yeah it's awesome it's an awesome awesome game i, I christian it doesn't seem like a game that you might dig uh but man i i think this is in the conversation for like you know ex- it's another just yeah top tier game from 2023 i you know which i'm i'm glad we're doing the hard work of having our top 25 favorite games of the year this year there's still <laughs> yeah, be yeah. a heck of a list to make but uh i'm glad we're giving ourselves that little bit of breathing <laughs> yeah right i wish breathing room. It, it, i could i think we could probably do 25 and, and still be like well there's a few i left out yeah 100 <laughs> here's my other five 100 100 percent. all right go ahead tell me another game that's on your list so this one I've seen talked about uh, on our Discord for a bit, and it's uh, EA Sports WRC, made by the people who uh, Codemasters. I mean, it's EA now, but that pedigree of Dirt Dirt 2. And I love rally racing. I talked about how much I loved the rally racing on um, 
the expansion on uh, Forza Horizon 5. There it is. came to me. And I like how they implemented rally racing in that game. I love Sega Rally back in the old, you know, uh, Dreamcast, Saturn era. Big fan of rally racing, even though Dirt 2 on my original Oculus made me sicker than I've ever been. <laughs> I was not ready <laughs> to be going sideways and over cliffs uh, in VR in probably not 120 frames per second. But this first, this game, EA Sports WRC, is their first foray into Unreal. They, I forget what the engine they used to use, Codemasters engine. I don't know what it was called, but it looked great. And this game has a lot going for it. If I move, you can maybe see my racing, my racing wheel behind me. Plugged it in, playing on PC. And at times, it is stunning. Photo mode, beautiful. Absolutely amazing some of the shots that i've seen online and things that you can go in and compose with this game where you're coming over a jump and you can see dust billowing from a quarter mile away you know part of the track you were just on it's still hanging dispersed in the air they said that moving to the unreal engine allowed them to make longer courses much longer than they've ever made before which is awesome because a lot of rally driving is fatigue you know it's you can blast around a corner once but you've got a long time of doing that and maintaining a line on this perilous um, course is taxing. And I think I don't want to actually do the actual multiple hour version of it, but I don't mind a 15 minute version <laughs> of, of that stress. And so it delivers in a lot of ways, but I think the growing pains of moving to this new engine, hold it back for being a must play for me. I'm playing on PC, everything updated as of, you know, yesterday or whatever. I didn't play today and I am still getting stutter I'm getting freezes. I'm getting screen tearing, even with uh, VRR on and DLSS turned on. There's still visual imperfections and these micro stutters or hangs. I'm not sure if it's stuttering or just stopping and then skipping a few frames that really turn runs into bummers. Um, It's playable, but not at the level that I want it to be. And especially this year, recently with Forza Motorsport, Forza Horizon 5, uh, Gran Turismo 7 have kind of been the pinnacle of racing games in so many ways that I think right now WRC is on a path forward that will be amazing. But I think there are a few issues that I'm I'm going to anecdotally attribute to the engine change that hold this version back. The visual fidelity is not quite there at night. There's kind of a weird shimmer with your headlights on. Didn't seem to be there before. As you're going through this awesome muddy or snowy terrain, it's not getting caked onto your car unless you go in photo mode and then you can see it. So like these weird inconsistencies where parts look beautiful, parts don't. Um, and then those frame rate uh, jitters or stutters are, it's a real bummer because you're having a great line and all of a sudden that happens. You don't quite know how to correct. It messes everything up, but there's a lot to like here. Uh, and I'm excited for hopefully what is EA Sports WRC2 or maybe eventual patches for this game. But if you are into that Dirt series and you've been um, waiting for you know a next foray into that style of rally racing, I think WRC will scratch that itch for you. I just don't think it's as polished as games that that team has made, um, made in the past. Now, Jeff, are you ready for my main course? Because I didn't think it was going to be my main course. I am so curious what even brought you to this game, the next game. Uh, well, that's an easy answer. What brought me to it is a little thing called game pass is what <laughs> is what brought me to it. Um, but it is l- like a dragon. Yeah. Died in, wow. The man who erased his name. 
which is the next, the infinite, the the one between seven and the soon to be released. It's like a dragon, which is formerly Yakuza. It's that long running series of games that have a devout, very oh, vocal yes. fan base, huge fan base, always very vocal. Yes, Wa- and, and wanting people to that, play their game. Yes, yes, yeah. and a series that we have not talked about enough on this show. No, for. The we hear about it. We certainly it. hear about it, but we yeah, do I'm hear about curious. it. <laughs> so you, you were like, I, I'm looking for something to play. I'm going to try a, like a, like a dragon game. Yeah. It came out. Uh, like I said, it was on game pass and that made it easy to, to try to jump in on. I haven't finished any of these games. I don't think I can't remember back to when the series started on PS two. I don't remember with like the fancy voice cast they had way back when I don't think I finished any of these games. I've dabbled. So I fired this one up. People said, oh, this is a good entry period. You know, you can jump in with this because it's kind of a continuation story, but they all do a hard reset at the beginning. Uh, Very early premise spoiler. Your character has faked their own death and comes back as this new person. And then stuff goes, stuff goes very awry. That happens in the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, And when I turned it on, I'm like, this game's not that pretty. I just came from Alan Wake 2, which on PC with all the NVIDIA tech in it is just a show stopping come look at how good this looks on my screen um this game's not that this if i walked by and someone said hey i'm playing this old xbox 360 game i'd be like huh i guess it is what xbox 360 games look like in my head it's clearly better than an xbox 360 game but that's how you know i internalize them i'm like yeah it looks okay then i'm like ah i guess it's okay this game's kind of silly his cover's already been outed a hundred times in the first four minutes (laughs) (laughs) is this is it might is this silly it might but it's so serious. Oh, no, they just winked at me. They get it. Okay. Well, the combat's fun. It kind of feels like an evolution of what Streets of Rage 3D would have been if it kind of brought forward what they were maybe doing in those other Sega games from that. I don't know. I guess this is... It's not Spider-Man combat. I love Spider-Man combat. I guess it's okay. I guess it's okay. Oh, well, there's an arcade. Cool. Oh, I can play Daytona? Okay, this is okay. This is pretty, I mean, I guess I'm having fun. I guess I'm having fun. Is that Virtua Fighter 2? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll keep playing. No, I need to go more make more money so I can play more in this arcade. I mean, I guess I'll see. Oh, there's a completionist checklist? I'm never going to use that. I'm not that type of gamer. Well, I've done quite a bit already. What mission am I on? Well, this story is... Okay, okay. Now it's pretty interesting. Yeah, everybody knows his cover, and this doesn't make any sense, but I have like five different power-ups where everything i catch on fire and i'm i'm hitting people with the zip line out of my watch and then i take a <laughs> beer bottle and smash it into somebody's okay this is I, i'm not clearly not gonna like this game any more than i've already and it's like nine hours in i'm having a great time i cannot explain the actual plot to anybody except for the fact <laughs> that this guy every time someone figures out who he is he still acts surprised even though everybody like some random thugs like aren't you Brad, I'm not Brad. Damn it. He knows I'm Brad. And then you fight and then you have your cover again. And then there's a big reveal and a big twist, man. Again, fans of the series. I know you love these games and I know that you appreciate the cheekiness and the quirkiness and all of the things they do well. And when I say I put hours into this game, please know 90 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours of that has been playing Virtua Fighter 2 in <laughs> Daytona. I don't, the version in this game is maybe the best version of these games that has come out. I mean, it is incredible, absolutely incredible. So I'm not ready to say I'm a convert yet. I haven't rolled credits, but I sit down. I guess I'll play. I don't know. It seems, it's so silly. And then I sit down to play and I am having a blast. 
my I've changed my muscle memory for the combat because it's not Spider-Man, it's not Arkham. You know, it asks you to do different things with your fingers. But as I've kind of learned the system and it throws you into mob uh, fights pretty early in the game also, which are super compelling, where you're trying to, you know, area control and and battle people back where one person is stronger than the other, but you can't auto lock onto them and they have a gun <laughs> and you don't and how you have to kind of manage this, this fight encounter. And it just keeps upping the ante uh, like a dragon guide the man who erased his name. I, I, the only reason I can't recommend this game a, a million percent is that it does look dated. You know, it's not like the best graphical looking game. But I'm having a flipping blast with it, Jeff. Are it you I'm, so? Are you going to make a lot of people happy who've been wanting us to try these games for a long time? Are you? Are you now more excited about the naked guy on the beach game? I don't know because I don't know who. It's like I, I I've read that that guy's connected to this guy and this guy's like this game's between the period of the last game and the next game. But again, this is a franchise that I've dipped my toe into several times and kind of forgot about over the years. Like, you got to play it, and then I'll download it in my Steam Deck because they're perfect Steam Deck games. And then I don't play them to completion. Oh, um, so you break your Steam Deck? So there you go. I broke my. I got to get that new one. Um, I think well, I, so. But th- it's not. Jeff. It's fun. It's it's. It's such that's a way you can ask feel, for. That's all you can ask like, for. Um, oh gosh, it just escaped me. What's the the classic Dreamcast Sega 3D World? Shenmue. Fighting? Yes, it's like a weird, beautiful evolution of what Shenmue and what maybe a 3D Streets of Rage would have become. Yeah, except it's slowly been becoming this for decades. You know, as this franchise continues, and I understand why people get it. it is silly in all the right ways but the combat is technical and fun and rewarding. And it's just a game that doesn't take itself too seriously. And it also has a virtual fighter two in it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right, there you go. Like a dragon guide in the man who erased his name. Uh, I want to tell you about uh, another sequel to a game. I liked that I played this week just came out for the King Two. for the King two is basically uh, a, uh, a tabletop, experience converted into a digital form although it doesn't have it it's not based on a tabletop game it's it's but it is a digital game trying to give you the equivalent of a tabletop type experience uh, a lot of stuff determined by dice rolls uh, you play as a band of adventurers you can actually play uh, multiplayer so each of you is one character in your band of adventurers but you have f- up to four characters that you can control as a single person or, or do it, you know, a multiplayer and you're moving uh, across a, uh, a gridded uh, board uh, and you're, you, each of your characters has a certain movement that they're allowed to go and different tiles give you, you know, different penalties to movement, depending on the, the kind of terrain you're going over very much a, a tabletop like experience. Uh, and then you get into combat Uh, There's other situations you can get into. You can make other kinds of decisions, but a lot of the game is getting into combat that is turn-based and you get onto a, you know, you zoom in to a smaller grid and you have your characters on uh, various tiles and the bad guys are on various tiles and you take turns smacking each other until somebody wins. Uh, And uh, there is a ticking clock to when things are going to get very bad uh, and you have to do certain, you can pick up certain quests and do certain side quests, but you're trying to get as far as you can, uh, in any given run, uh, powering up your characters, getting new ability, getting new equipment and abilities. Pause real quick. I just want to pause on that ticking clock. Cause usually I feel like that's an instant no for you. 
It is an instant no. It, well, not an instant no, but it's not, not something I, no. I, I, it's not something I like. I don't like the uh, arbitrary tension increase of a ticking clock. And I have to say, I, I remember very much liking uh, For the King. I, I want to say, again, did not go back to look, but I want to say it was on my top five uh, Diamonds in the Rough of that year. 2017, I think is when it came out. Um, so I was pretty excited about For the King too, just sort of having it in the back of my mind. I mean, it's before, it's in the before times. So like who, who even remembers anything? <laughs> it was but, only like Yakuza 9 was out back then. Right, you know, right. it was forever ago. Who knows? Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I've, I played a fair amount of For the King too. And I think they made some interesting changes from what I recall, but I, I don't find myself loving it as much as I remember loving the first game. I think it's very serviceable. I think it is a very solid version of this kind of game. And I think if you're into these kinds of things, this kind of tabletop experience, turn-based combat, exploration, sort of roguelite, like, you know, uh, get as much as you can in, in a run, see how far you can get, uh, you know, it, it, the game can be uh, pretty unforgiving in certain ways. Um, you can you can get into fights that you can't win, and the game is constantly telling you, like, "Hey, running away is an option, bro. <laughs> Run away." Um, but uh, I found, you know, as you get more powerful, as you get more weapons, as you get more items, uh, your options increase. But even so, I didn't find the combat to be particularly satisfying i i found it to i found my, my options to be somewhat limited in that basically you have like an aoe attack or a single target attack and you can change weapons and those attacks change and there's certain strategies that require you to do that but ultimately the options you have aren't aren't you know varied enough for me uh, you can move around a little bit and certain positioning matters to a certain extent, but I just found the, the, the fights to be pretty, pretty static and not as dynamic as I would, I would like them to be. And I just found myself thinking about three or four, five games that basically do this, but I would prefer to be playing and they're not all new, but I thought of, for example, a game called war tales, which I think came out this year, if I remember. And I really liked, I think War Tales does this better. There's a game that came out a few years ago that I absolutely loved called Fort Triumph, which is incredible. And the combat in that game is sublime and it is so dynamic and so interesting. And you're constantly having to account for the environment and cool stuff. And you could knock things into people. Fort Triumph is awesome. Gordian Quest, this is a, another older game, 2018, 2019, something like that phenomenal version of this and even gloomhaven which is a tabletop game you can probably see it behind me is a mm -hmm. big old tabletop game but has a great digital version i think i would prefer to play more than for the king 2 which is a bummer to me because i remember loving for the king 1 and i i think this game is is perfectly fine like there's nothing horrible about it it's not it, it's it, it does what it does perfectly well it's just there's no fireworks for me. There's nothing like pulling me in and making me want to have one more tr shot at this, one more turn. Um, it does some interesting things. And perhaps if I was playing it with three other people and we're each controlling our individual characters, there would be some cool, more cool, you know, dynamics there. 
like, for example, you can move each of your characters independently. And one of the things you have to decide is like, is it better to try to divide up my people and accomplish more things? But then if I get into a combat, they're all alone or only two of them or whatever, or do I keep everybody together? And then when I get into combats, I have my whole team. Like that's an interesting strategic decision to be made. And I, and I suspect if you had actual human beings controlling each of the characters, that's really interesting because it's like, ah, and you can be a couple of tiles away and be pulled into somebody else's combat, which is kind of rad. But ultimately, like I wanted the combat to be just a little juicier, a little more interesting, have more interesting choices. And the games that I listed did have that for me. And so I have a hard time being super enthusiastic about For the King 2, even if I think it's perfectly suitable, it, it, it deliver for some people and be, you know, a, a perfectly, um, uh, you know, perfectly fun experience if you like that kind of game. All right. Let's move on now because uh, Brendan has some VR to talk and as do yeah. I. So let's do a little bit of VR talk. I love to hear the fact that you are uh, playing in VR, Brendan. What what games have have been what you are doing when you put on your Quest Two? Shout out to Walkabout Mini Golf. Yes, the, the gift that keeps on giving. Indeed. And that's what that's what sucked me back in. Uh, my buddies reached out and they were like, "There's a haunted house, man. We gotta we gotta do the haunted house." And so we we jumped in. Um, one of my friends is a sucker because he's got the Quest One and the new haunted house level. It doesn't. He bought it actually and oh, then went no. to play it in the game and it didn't. It was like, "No, sorry, gotta have the Quest Two or later." Um, and so we played through that and then I was thinking to myself while I was playing it, I'm like, "Man, I know before the end of the year." Power Wash Simulator is coming to VR, and I wonder when that is. And it was like a week away when I was playing at the end of October. So I was just like, "Oh my god!" And like, how did I? I like tweeted it out like the day. I was like, "I know, everybody. There is a huge list, twenty-five at least, of games. You know that uh, um, are truly exceptional this year. But if you are if somehow this is on your radar, do not do not miss. Do not forget that Power Wash uh, is coming to virtual reality. And I'll tell you, man, like this is one of those games." I don't know if there's a lot of comparisons I can make to other things that have come to VR, but it's the kind of thing that when I'm playing in VR, it's like, this should have been on VR first. Like there should <laughs> be a version of this that you can play, uh, you know, just on consoles or just play like a first person version of that. But like, it's not going to be as good, you know, as it is in VR because it's for, for anyone that's played like, for example, Resident Evil 4, that you really like that game when you play in VR, like all those obvious things completely come into play where it's like, oh, I'm not just a ball with a cone of vision attached to it. Like I am in this environment. My arm can just go anywhere it wants to. Um, so for anybody that hasn't played power wash at all, this is uh, potentially an acquired taste. Like I could see a lot of people being like, that's a job. Like, why would I want to do <laughs> like that's something that like my spouse would nag me about. I don't know why I would want to take like two hours on the weekend to go do that. But um, the premise could not be simpler. There is a house or, a car or some sort of complex object in front of you that has a lot of dirt on it and you have high pressure water that you can squirt at this thing. And then <laughs> when it's clean and there's a big ding that happens and then you move on to the next level. Um, 
And the thing that really surprised me when I played the not VR version and got obsessed with it was there's, dare I say, a story, like a connecting narrative that goes through this. <laughs> Dirt and, as a metaphor for life. Right? <laughs> and it is very appropriately tongue-in-cheek and just completely absurd and uh, is told to you almost entirely through text messages that you get while you're – I think they're based on the percentage. So you can check, like, ah, I have 38% of this thing cleaned. And then when you hit a certain point, you know, you'll get text messages from people. And all of those are pretty great. Like, they really understand the assignment. Like, they they don't try to get too complicated. They don't, like, kind of bog you down with details that you need to know. But, like, one example of one that's really funny is you uh, are in the middle of a forest cleaning a giant house that looks like a shoe. And old Mother Hubbard lives in the shoe. <laughs> and so, like, the first, you get, like, a text. And it's like, I have to go poop. And you're like, what? Okay. It's all lowercase. You're like, all right. And then, like, you get a text, like, you know. 5% later, that's like, I went poop. And you're like, what? wait a minute. And then it's like, Jimmy has the juice pop. I want the juice pop. And you're like, okay. And then like, right before you finish the level, like old mother Harry's like, I'm sorry, my five-year-old got the cell phone. I'm trying you're like, that's okay. <laughs> but it actually kind of, it gets pretty extreme, kind of like world ending events, you know, extreme, but like in a, in a very silly, funny way. And, um, you know, there's like some Indiana Jones-esque levels of you going into some some pretty ancient looking stuff that you have to, of course, clean, you know, <laughs> save the world by cleaning it. Um, but yeah, just going into it in VR, it, it is not, these environments will not blow you away. This is, you know, a what I imagine is a small team, not only who made the original game, but probably who was working on the VR version as well. Um, and so, yeah, like being able to like look out in VR at the expansive city environment around me at the time is not, you know, something that's <laughs> going to knock your socks off. But um, I, was, I got through the game so much faster, so gratifying for anything that kind of had a complex, you know, uh, the Mars Rover is one of the bonus levels or you'll like, <laughs> you're like cleaning like a bike or like a motorcycle with a sidecar. And like when I was playing in the standard first person mode in the original console version, I was just like, I know there's something back there, but I can't quite get to where I'm at and in this I just put my arm in there and move it around boom done so it's like very gratifying in that sense um, and uh, yeah just there's no music there's no it's just, just you and a power washer yeah now yeah, I I, I'm so curious about what it is that drew you to uh, is there something meditative about it is it something like are, do you play other chore core games or what? Yeah, I don't. The only thing I can think of is unpacking. I was a big fan of. Uh, yeah. That's a. Um, I think that finally came to consoles. I, yeah. I recommend. I think mouse and keyboard is like the only way to play unpacking. But that was another game that I greatly enjoyed and was thinking like, why am I? <laughs> why do I like this? This is so weird. This could potentially be such a. You know, I don't know. It's like boring's the word, but kind of an arduous task that you have yeah. to do. Like unpacking sucks. Like moving is the worst. <laughs> you know, but there is. Yeah, there is something just you know, strangely satisfying about like, oh, that wall is clean. You know, it's like, yeah, there's so many like things in my ASMR. life I can't control, but like, man, that, that garage door is spotless, you know, it just <laughs> is, is very oddly satisfying and is not like, there's a lot of stuff. I think that like Baldur's Great Gate 3 is a great example where I've had friends who are like, you haven't played. And I'm like, I don't want to get into that because I'm just going to yeah. get so sucked in and just absolutely have to devour like every detail of it. Whereas like I can, you know, I can stop playing this at a moment's notice and just <laughs> take it off. And like, right. I'm like, there was one time I like put my Oculus Quest 2 down and it like rebooted and didn't save like, you know, 10 minutes or so of cleaning. And I was just like, whatever. Like, not a, not a <laughs> huge right. deal. I can um, clean old Mother Hubbard's shoe again. Yeah. It's all right. 
piece of cake. Um, <laughs> and there was the satisfaction of just having played the first game. And so just kind of remember, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this like light over here was tricky. Let me just, boom, okay, I got it, you know. So it was, it was satisfying awesome. to go back through. But um yeah. Power Wash Simulator in VR. I mean, it is. Christian. It is what it is. If you if you watch thirty seconds of gameplay, there's not much more <laughs> in depth that you can you know. Yeah. I can't imagine like a preview of this game. Like I never. I think I talked about it on you know on a podcast to these guys at the time. Um, but I was like, past that, I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to be like reviewing this game. This is it's pretty pretty straightforward. But um, does it it's have just very, the Does it have the DLC, the VR version? Because the main game got like. A bunch of, I think it's like Final Fantasy. And Back like to the God. Future. You can clean the DeLorean. You can, yeah. That's there's right. a lot of extra stuff that they've they've done. And actually, I heard the devs. Uh, just to to quickly answer your question, it doesn't uh, out of the gate. I hope it does down the road. But um, yeah, they were. I, I heard the devs. They were just like for the sake of time, we had to turn stuff down. We we're under NDA. We can't tell you. But they were like, man, a lot of a lot of people reached out. Because how especially have dirty awesome. things they need cleaned. <laughs> well, especially in a game in a in game form, you know, it can't be. I imagine with my limited limited dev knowledge, that tough to just be like, here's the model yeah, <laughs> of the right. thing here's that the was mesh. in our game. Yeah, and so yeah, go go make it dirty. Shout shout, and it's it's funny. I think about like car damage in games, and like I know a lot of like you know car manufacturers and people who make you know spend a lot of time making their products look as good as they can. Wouldn't be super stoked about like just putting a bunch of junk <laughs> on it. it up, but um. It's a, so shout out to all of the people that did, but um, and I have not even just in the 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 PC or console version, I have not checked out any of that DLC. But um, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm a maybe little curious comes, about this game. I have to admit, I, part of me is like, this sounds completely boring, frankly. Sure, but but part of me is also like, I don't know, VR might maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it would be satisfying. I'm a I'm a I'm a guy that I can get a little uh, like you said, Chris, a little ASMR. I can get a little like yeah. ah, it just feels nice to get that thing clean i, I could see myself liking that well know. it kind of I, I could i could you know parrot the monologue you just did christian about uh you know like a dragon where you're just kind of like yeah i'll play this for a little bit and then just oh damn like two hours went by i will actively <laughs> be like moving my arm my, my wife will look in and crack up she's like you definitely look like you're power washing something can you wash like, real things please yeah but like yeah the laundry's still in the dryer, but I'll like, <laughs> you know, I'll I'll be doing it actively. The thought is going through my head, like, why am I doing this? And yet, <laughs> might as well, you know, I cleaned that side of the house. I might as well clean the other. <laughs> I um, love it. And like there I said, go. it, you know, the 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 humor in it is, um, you know, not necessarily what you should play the game for, but they do a good job. And and there are a lot of fun visual cues. There's like. You know, like this couple that lives in a house. There's no, everything is through text. You don't see any people. They actually pl- make jokes of like, I was there. You didn't see me. Like, <laughs> but um, there's like one house where like the lady keeps saying like, now I know these two people robbed this bank. They aren't us. And you're like, okay. And as you clean the side of the house, you see like the plans for them robbing the bank. And all that, you know. <laughs> That's so cool. Like, some some fun visual gags of stuff. But if you, if there's a demo or if you see somebody play it and you're like, that doesn't look interesting to me. It will not be. It's not. <laughs> It will not surprise you, you know, no, uh, which is why no. I'm so excited to bring it here to this, you know, to your podcast to take up this much time. Sadly, I don't think there's anything else I could talk about, but I would no, really I love mean, to eat up 30 minutes of this podcast. Talking they about are loving it. I dabbled in it on console. I think when it first came out, I was like, I see the appeal, but, you know, it was both like really early pre-patch. I think you had to. I think if you had like manually keep pressing it or hold it, I was like, I was getting arm fatigue and it yeah. fixed it since then. And ever since then, people are like, dude, it's great. You and Jeff love VR. It's great in VR. VR fixes a lot of the problems you have with it. And I'm just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. So right now you have made 
many people's days yeah, just talking no, about awesome. it as and, you did. And the, these things do well. I mean, the, the subgenre of things that are chores uh, as video games are, is, is exploding. Like there's tons of games like that where it's like things that I would, I would never want to do in real life. They're like, here's a video game. <laughs> what are you doing? And, you know, some of these structures are pretty tall. So it's like, you know, it's, it's fun to like be on the very top of the roof. And I'm thinking like, oh man, I don't want to drop the controller because it'll fall all the way down there. And it's like, it, well, not, man, it had been a while since I had played VR. And I, t- dude, I totally did the classic faux pas of like leaning on the thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, like I didn't injure myself, but I was like, I cannot believe I did that. Leaning on the thing that's not actually there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But, I have um, a, um, kind of a low hanging, uh, uh, overhead light in, in my office. And the number of times I've slammed my hand into that, mm-hmm. ugh, not not smart. Um, it's like ah, oh, the real world. There it is. There it is. Oh yeah, I'm still in a, I'm still in, not in this. Yeah, well, that's a place I'm in. And I have uh, one more tiny one, but we can let's move on to. No, please go one. go. Tell me. I just haven't finished it, but um, I'm a big fan of killing zombies in VR. Yes, um, I'm excited to check out Arizona Sunshine too when that eventually me comes. Too. I I thought that first game was just the perfect length. It was just like that was yeah. what I wanted to do, and that was great. Opening up car doors was a little tedious after a while, but yes. Um, and I saw reviews for uh, The Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners, but never got into it. Um, and booted that game up because I was like, oh, you know, again, as long as my VR's out, and um, you know, I can maybe check this out, play another spooky game uh in the, in the spooky month my favorite month out of the year and um almost right away you like find this kind of little like hub that's like a little bus where you have all of your weapons and your upgrades and stuff like that and i was like oh no when i saw it i'm like i don't want to get real into good. this like i don't want to i want this just to be like arizona sunshine right just kind of you know point a to point b to point c and then i'm done but it's like oh no this is you you can dig in and um and it's uh, the first time i like went to bed and like the menu came up that was like the next day there are more zombies and less resources. I was like, what are you doing to me? Like, come on. <laughs> I'm supposed to have fun doing that. I'm so stressed. Um, but they, re- I, you open up a door and like eight of those things come charging out and you're like, ah! like, yeah, it's uh it's, it's very good. And again, just, you know, like most VR games, it is not a visual powerhouse. Like the environments are pretty simple looking, but then it makes all of the objects you can pick up stand out. And yeah, you know, it's it's really just kind of about, you know, the physicality of being there and, you know, leaning around areas or just like, I don't think that guy, one sees me. Let me just sneak past. I'm fine. You can't <laughs> run too fast. So you can't like outrun these things like they, yeah. they really catch up to you. Like, oof, good stuff. Imagine how many books uh, would be written if there was VR novel writer. You know, you yeah, just put no on kidding. the headset, bang around for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. that's why i gotta get the quest three you know they got the ar <laughs> yes. and I get my keyboard and just like come on but yeah well make, I'll make this you. environment more interesting for me please i i did uh, get the quest three because i am that sucker uh but um so i'll tell you a game i've been playing this week that is much more i like zombie shooting but i much prefer hacking and slashing some skeletons and some some uh orcs you know uh and there's a game called dungeons of eternity which is a game i brought up uh, several weeks ago, and I couldn't remember the title, and I apologize, but the game is called Dungeons of Eternity. This is awesome, and I want to play it in multiplayer because it's what it's really built for, but I only played it single player so far. But I have already played <laughs> more hours than I intended to just in single player. This is a dungeon delving roguelite in VR 
where you are going into, you know, you got these missions. It, it's actually kind of cool because it's this mix of uh, sci-fi, future sci-fi stuff and classic fantasy, you know, medieval type stuff because you are in the future and you discover this planet that is a planet of infinite dungeons that are medieval. And so you're in the future, you're like teleporting down to the planet to investigate it. And the only way to investigate it is to be medieval. So I thought, Oh, that was kind of clever. Uh, It doesn't bear any relevance to what you're actually doing, but it's like a cool framework. Anyway, it's a roguelite. So you're, you know, you're going in, you're killing monsters, you're exploring, you find chests and keys and you unlock the chests with the keys and you find what's in there and it's all randomized and maybe you'll get a cool power up or maybe you'll get a cool uh, a thing, a blueprint for something you can build later with resources that you gather and you have a home base that you go back to and you can you know make your guy look cooler and get cooler stuff and go back into the next dungeon and there's different kinds of missions that you go out on and the game looks really great. Um, you know, as you kept saying, Brendan, the, you know, v- VR is not necessarily always a visual powerhouse, but I think this has a really slick look to it. I think it looks very, very nice, uh, especially on quest three, which, uh, you know, it's standalone. I, I'm not tethered to anything playing this game. Um, and you know, you got bow and arrows, you got hack and slashy stuff. You can toss things. You, if you want to drink a potion, you hold it up to your lips to drink it, you know, very immersive in that way. And it's got that awesome sort of gauntlet style, uh, you know, randomized dungeons, doors that lead to other doors, things, hidden things, um, monsters hidden around corners, and you're collecting keys. Uh, you, you know, you put stuff on your person and so you can collect multiple keys and then you get to chests and you can use those keys. And it's, it's just feels like there's actual exploration in that regard because it's cool when you discover something and there's traps and there's, you know, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's you, stuff you've done a million times in these types of games, but because it's in VR and because it's all, you know, it, it's done so well as far, as far as visually and placing you in that place. And, you know, the bow and arrow shooting is super fun. The hacking and slashing is super fun. You get, you know, you get shields, you get crossbows, you get, you know, kind of cool weapons that upgrade. I'm having a blast with Dungeons of Eternity, and I can I suspect that once I strong arm some of my friends to play with me, it'll even be more fun because doing it with other humans, I think, will be uh, so much better. So I'm into this game, Dungeons of Eternity. I'm playing it on Quest Three, but I think it's I think it's available on most uh, VR headsets. So check that one out. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Brendan Jones, always so much fun to talk to you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having us. This was a blast. Absolutely. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the cool stuff that you're doing. Uh, you can follow me at Trailer Jones on Instagram, which I'm using a lot more, obviously, to take advantage of whatever resources I can to help sell my book. But um, still on still on the, the Twitter, the X there is Trailer Jones as well. And uh, as you mentioned briefly, Jeff, if you go to emmetstudios.com, you can E-M-E-T studios.com. You can see all the places you can buy my book. And then I'll the moment I write another one, I'll throw those links up there as well. But um, yeah, doing doing lots of hawking out there on social media. And I actually just started a series on Instagram where I'm talking about the process of writing and stuff that I learned. So, Oh, fantastic. I'm going to check that out too. That's cool. That's awesome, man. I'm, 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 I'm so impressed that you've made this transition. You're doing that. Have you, have you always wanted to write a novel? 
Uh, I've always wanted to, you know, I was a uh, acting major turned film major almost immediately. I did a lot of theater when I was a kid and then got into film to tell stories. And then just when got into the gaming space, you know, especially like around the turn of the century when the internet was still so, so new, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I had all these like film friends. I was just like, okay, that is really tough. And the industry has been around for a long time. And a lot of people that are smarter than me, that know what they're doing. was like, man, this internet thing, people are figuring that out on the, you know, day by day. And so <laughs> yeah. it's way, very exciting, like to get into. And then I think after a while, after a couple of decades in the biz, I was like, oh, let me, let me try to get a couple stories out there. And, um, like I said, it's a, it's a lonely existence, but now I get to I get to hang out with people and talk about it and talk That's about great. all the games I'm not playing. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been awesome chatting with you, and we wish you tons of luck on the on the novel. It's Appreciate wonderful. It, thanks. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Um. Oh, there was something, then I forgot what it was. Um, this show is on Threads and on Instagram. I can say that it's DLC Hype Train. And this show, we're also starting to put out video clips on YouTube, which you can find at DLC Pod. Typically a Tuesday, Thursday morning cadence. If you want to see some video clips and you're not a patron where you can see the full VOD and you want to see my sweet mustache, or we talked about it before the show started, Jeff's incredibly handsome button down look. Like Jeff showed up to the show tonight. Like it's mm. Sunday dinner. Like, oh, dude. shucks. I was totally thinking that was like regular, you know? I was like, oh, this oh, is yeah, the hang yeah, 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 yeah. of this vibe. Yeah, no, it's no, because no, you're here. I, I felt <laughs> like I needed to dress up. <laughs> mm. um, so you can find a clip of that on YouTube, which again is at DLC pod. I am also on threads and Instagram. It's Christian underscore Spicer. Uh, but the main thing that I'm doing now is uh, I've reinvested in my newsletter, which you can find at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. About every other week, um, those go out. This next one that I'm working on, the premise is the idea of the video game remake compared and contrasted to the live action film. We live in a world of remakes and live actions. And I think that they are very much dancing the same dance. So again, Mm. that'll be at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I think next... This Friday. Gosh, it's Sunday. Holy crap. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Get working. That's coming soon. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on socials. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Have other shows for you, including the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. Uh, Do We Have Concerns with uh, Anthony Carboni. It's a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. And a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show. Uh, we're talking a lot of NASCAR lately because fan-controlled uh, racing just happened. And I know nothing about NASCAR. And it's been a really interesting experience uh, talking to real NASCAR drivers uh, over at the fan-controlled uh, show. It's at fan-controlled sports and entertainment. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Brendan, you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Oh, I just uh, finished up season two of our Flag Means Death, uh, which uh, is on HBO and is such a treat. Episode two of this season, I when it was done, my wife and I looked at each other and it was like, I did not stop laughing, man. I was just cackling like that entire time. It is completely absurd. Um, it is uh, a, a show about piracy and loving each other. 
and uh it is it is like a period piece but also extremely not it's like the setting is one thing and the dialogue is another it's it's a lot of different things that wouldn't work if it was not done you know Taika Waititi produced it and uh stars in it and uh it wouldn't work if it was not done by a lot of very talented people and um uh, very satisfying. I, I would definitely start with season one if you're curious to check it out. But uh, season two delivered. And I think there's only about eight episodes. So you can get through they're about a half an hour each. So you can get through them pretty quick. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Was sat- very satisfying. I, I really enjoyed the first season and I haven't started the second season. So that's a good reminder to, to do that. Lots of emotions. Really fun show. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? Parting gift? I will stay on the season two train. Invincible season two mm. is out now on Prime Video. And if you're like me and you thought, you know what, I'm feeling a little superhero fatigue. Uh, There's so much of it and it all kind of feels the same. Give Invincible season two a shot or season one if you haven't watched it. I loved the comic and I think the adaptation they're doing on Prime Video, it's animated. The voice cast is stellar and season two dives into some of the themes that were hinted at. Um not hinted at straight up said (laughs) in season one, but the repercussions of those actions in what it means for invincible to be the the man he's becoming. And it does it uh, in such a beautiful way. You know, it's hyper violent at times, uh, you know, knee slapping hysterical at other times. And then also very sweet kind of like we talked about for Spider-Man too. um, this idea of balancing, love and life and family and also saving the world and expectations all amplified by being a superhero. And while those core themes have been told in a lot of stories, I think the the new spin that Invincible puts on it that I'm purposefully not mentioning uh, here is a really unique one and, and worthwhile. So Invincible season two has just started. I think maybe there's two episodes. It's been two weeks and it's on Prime Video and I highly recommend it. So good. Yeah. I have a food recommendation for you. It's a discovery, a couple of discoveries, actually. Uh, my wife and I have made uh, at Trader Joe's. If you have a Trader Joe's nearby, you, let me tell you, folks, some goodies. Uh, we good found luck finding parking. No, yeah, good luck finding parking. But if you can get there, <laughs> all of them, like they're all <laughs> universally bad. It must, must be a requirement. I don't understand it. Uh, we just discovered the sweet cannoli dip. Now, the title, don't judge it by the title, because like I love cannolis, but a dip based on cannolis sounds, uh, doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you, folks, uh, we eat this thing with a spoon. <laughs> it, That's it not tastes, a dip then. That's no longer a dip. Oh, but it could be. <laughs> That's I pudding. dip my spoon in it. <laughs> um, it is delightful. It is very delicious. It's sweet. I think it's seasonal, but... I'm going to get to my next thing, which started seasonal and has become permanent because so many people liked it. So that's part of my devious plan of bringing it up here on the podcast. We need to form a community that get, buys this thing enough that they keep it permanent so I can keep having this stuff. It is uh, – it's devilish. It's very, very good. It's basically like frosting, but it's so it's so good. It's so good. And what I suggest you dipping into it, ladies and gentlemen, is my next tip, which is maple streusel bread. Oh, I love maple. I am, maple might be my favorite thing. I love a maple donut. I love maple syrup. I love maple. Maple streusel bread at Trader Joe's. Hoot doggies is good. <coughs> Excuse me. And this one was, uh, at least according to my local Trader Joe's employee that I was conversing with, uh, 
was supposedly you mean holding against the wall saying where is it (laughs) where is is it (laughs) told me that it was supposed to have been only seasonal for i think for like the fall early fall period but it was such a huge hit that they're making it permanent so ladies and gentlemen we've won we've won uh and i want you to get in on it maple streusel bread so good literally you don't even need to put anything on it i i literally just eat it out of the bag but you could you put a little butter on it or or dip it in that sweet cannoli dip that's pro tip Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. If you have a Trader Joe's, I recommend it. Okay, we got a listener-suggested parting gift as well. This comes from Sam from Fort Worth, Texas. Sam writes, I've just spent two nights going back-to-back shows by Portugal the Man here in Dallas, and I thought of it as a parting gift. Go see your favorite artist live. I know it's been recommended before to go to see a live show, but I can't reiterate how much the experience elevates your feelings about your favorite artist. If y'all would indulge me by letting me talk about Portugal the man, they are so much more than the pop hits you've heard on the radio and television ads. They weave their hits with jams and covers and play almost continuously the entire set. The performance is one that showcases their talents as musicians, as a band, and as individuals. You'll be vibing and dancing the whole time, at least I was. The band themselves work hard to bring forth the struggles of the indigenous population here in America and make it known. They showcase the local population that they're playing. And as you always say, they're doing their little part in trying to make the world a better place. I can't wait to see what year 10 brings for y'all. And thanks for all the amazing things y'all do. Sam from Fort Worth, Texas. Really bringing that Texas in there. I appreciated it. Thank you, Sam. I know I only know of Portugal the man from the you know the the songs that everybody knows, but that's really cool, very cool. Uh, made me uh, look them up a bit more. And thank you for the parting gift. If you like to have your parting gift on the show, send it to us dlcfeedback at gmail All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Brendan Jones and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. You can get DLC Swag at DLCSwag.com, which was created by Jesse J. Anderson. Our biggest thanks, however, are reserved for our patrons at Patreon.com slash DLCPod. Thank you, patrons, for making this show possible. Our top-tier patrons, our hype train patrons, get their own video games. What? Yes, they do. And you're about to hear two right now. Christian, do you remember uh, – this was actually a much more recent – we talk about older games a lot when we talk about our patron patron games. But uh, Ben was a game that came out actually pretty recently to my re- recollection. It feels like it was a long time ago just because of 2023. But I'm sure if I, I mean I'm not, but I'm, I would guess it's probably like 2021. You know, it just feels like this year has had so many. And – what I remember, because I'm not good at like release dates necessarily, yeah. but I it is so brave and so ambitious. I remember we were all, I think it was on, yeah, it was like a couple of years ago on this show when it was announced and it was like, oh, Just Ben, like that's yeah. the name, Just right. Ben, okay. Good luck with that. Like talk about SEO, how are you going to differentiate yourself? What are you, the Madonna of video games? And then wherever we got hands-on, I forget if it was uh, 
they did the async demos or not. But I remember you texted me that first time we got hands on and it was like, holy crap, they did it. Yeah. You can't, it's hard to describe Ben because you kind of have to just play Ben to understand Ben because I feel like people, I remember walking out of it at E3 and people are like, did you play Ben? And I was like, I played Ben. And they were like, what, what was it like playing Ben? I said, you have to, you have to, in order to understand Ben, you have to go in there, walk in that room, clear your mind of everything that you have imagined before and just experience Ben, just be Ben, you know? I remember as, as tried as it sounds, it's like at that, I think you're right. It was E3, that first demo. And there was literally Ben and has been, you know, like after. <laughs> yes. Yes. All the other games were has been. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like there was that, that moment where you had before yes. Ben and then you have has been. And yes. it was life changing. I mean, you live in a pre-Ben or post-Ben world. Yeah. 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 Total, total show stealer. And a game that like, you know, it's kind of like Portal 2 comes up every now and again. And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's this other game that kind of does what Portal 2 is doing. But that's still yeah. the comparison mark. And I yeah. feel like that's still the case with Ben. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, well, do you, yeah. yeah. Do you ahead. remember everybody used to say, can your PC run Ben? Dude. Can right? You, is your PC strong enough to run Ben? Are you strong enough to play Ben? Yeah. Are you? I mean, there was Crisis and then there was Ben. You and know? Then there like, was Ben. And there was Ben, just Ben. It's fine. Just Ben, you know? Yeah. Uh, very different than the Scott Hughes game. I remember that one. That one, a delightful romp. Not as yeah. kind of soul taxing as Ben. <laughs> Scott Hughes, that, that was a game that I, uh, man, I chuckled my way through. It's just a delightful romp. That's so interesting. So you chose like when it lo when it starts for folks who haven't played it, which everyone should. When you start, a lot of games do this now, where it's like you kind of get the accessibility menu or yeah. some like early options. And and I remember when Scott Hughes launched, you get your hue selector, and you can kind of dial in like what like more comedic, more serious. And I yeah. went full horror, so I played oh Scott Hughes in the hue of horror. And That's so it interesting. Was phenomenal. Well, like, a lot of it was procedurally generated, if I remember. So maybe, uh, you, maybe you you played a very different Scott Hughes game than I remember. A, a different hue of Hughes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I but I think the through lines have to be similar. It's just kind of how it. I mean, comedy is the cousin of death. <laughs> yes. That That's what saying. they always say. <laughs> Do you remember? So let's compare then. So when you got to the end of Scott Hughes, did, did you look in that mirror and then the mirror shattered and then all those birds flew out of it? No. No? I can't we were having this conversation. No, the mirror shattered and one landed in my jugular, my character's <laughs> jugular. Yeah, you fall to the ground, and as the blood puddle forms, I have to uh -huh. imagine that this is the same image. But like you saw, it's 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 your childhood home. But it's like no, no, you could it was never your childhood home. The bird, you follow the birds, and you get to your childhood home, and you walk in, and they're like, and, and you go, you hear, honey, I'm Hughes. <laughs> And I, it made me laugh because it's no, it was funny. wow, yeah. yeah. Mine said, uh, "Hughes dead." 
instead of Hughes. Hughes, Hughes, then we have a problem. Hughes looking Hughes at you. Dead, we have yeah. a problem. <laughs> wow, it's amazing how one the same game can have such alternate endings. You know, I really yeah. appreciate when a game can can be that different for the for two different people playing it, just based I mean, on choices that you made in the opening menu. You know, if someone if someone hears us talking about it independently and they hear yeah. me talking about my experience with Scott Hughes and your experience playing Scott Hughes, yeah, those people will come away very confused, <laughs> confused. <laughs> I can't even get through. It. <laughs> yeah, that, I do remember that game being very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> well ladies I was and gentlemen really trying to get through that one too <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh if you'd like to have your own video game uh described poorly by christian and myself uh please become patrons at the uh at the hype train level at patreon.com slash dlc pod all right thanks again for listening we'll see you next week until then think about what you put out into the world Make it a better place.